So we're here today then in attendance at this conference and everybody has come for the purpose of benefiting themselves, benefiting their families, for the purpose of removing ignorance from yourselves, from your families. And that is from the purposes of seeking knowledge, from the purposes of seeking knowledge, or the objectives in seeking knowledge, is to remove the jahl from yourselves, from your families, because prior to having knowledge, prior to having knowledge of an affair, you are going to be in ignorance of that affair. So in order to remove that ignorance, you seek the knowledge of it. So it is a blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it easy upon you all to travel today and be present in this blessed gathering, the gatherings of knowledge. And this is exactly how the Salaf used to be. The Salaf, they used to travel for knowledge. They used to go out, leave their homes, travel, and find the gatherings of knowledge in order to seek that knowledge. And it was in fact, from their characteristics, if you look at some of the narrations of the Salaf, how they used to go out for knowledge. You have an example of Jabir ibn Abdullah, who traveled out to Abdullah ibn Unais in Sham, and it took him a whole month to get there. Think about the Salaf and how they used to be when it came to this knowledge. It mentions in this particular incident that Jabir ibn Abdullah, he traveled out to Abdullah ibn Unais in Sham, and it took him a month to get there. A whole month to get there. In those days, in the heat, in the heat and the sun and the deserts, traveling on your donkeys and camels and horses, a whole month he was traveling until he came to Abdullah ibn Unais to seek some knowledge from him. You may think even the actual journey is admonition enough. The fact that he traveled a month to get there to seek this knowledge. But then, think about what the knowledge was he wanted, when he finished his journey of a month, 
in the heat and the deserts with the camels and the horses, he finally got there. What did he want? One single hadith. Because Abdullah ibn Unais at that time was the only person left who knew this one hadith and had the chain of narration for it. So Jabir ibn Abdullah went out on a journey of a month for the sake of one hadith. Nowadays you compare that to our situation. A person today has traveled no more than four or five or six hours. And even then in the comfort of a coach with the AC and the brakes and the drinks and the stops. And you've come not only for one hadith, but a whole day worth of lectures and ayat and ahadith. You see the difference between what has occurred to us and what the salaf were upon. What our levels have become and what the levels of the salaf were. If you had all been told today that this conference is only going to be two minutes long. You're going to hear one hadith. Everybody come on your coaches, come from all of your cities to hear one hadith which is going to take two minutes. Then we would be sat here right now with an empty hall. That is the difference. So now, the fact that you have come and you have traveled for knowledge, then know this is something the Salaf they used to do. They would travel to gain that knowledge. Such was the importance they gave to it. Look at this other narration. Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. He traveled out to Uqbah ibn Amir in Egypt. And when he got to him, he said to him, حدثنا بما سمعته من رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في سطر المسلم لم يبقى أحد سمعه غيري وغيرك فلما حدثه ركب أبو أيوب راحلته وانصرف عائدا إلى المدينة ولم يحل رحله In this narration it mentions Abu Ayyub al-Ansari went out to Uqba ibn Amir all the way down in Egypt. Traveled all the way down to him. When he got to him, he heard the narration he wanted to hear. But then the key in this narration is, after he heard what he wanted to hear, it mentions he didn't even get off and tie up and settle down. His riding animal. He heard what he wanted, he turned around and he left. The objective of his journey was that hadith, was that knowledge. He didn't even stop to relax after he achieved what he had traveled for. Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib, one of the great tabi'een, those who came after the sahaba, he mentions, إِنِّي كُنْتُ أَوْ كُنْتُ لَأَسِيرَ فِي طَلَبِ الْحَدِيثِ الْوَاحِدِ مَسِيرَةَ الْلَيَالِ وَالْأَيَّامِ 
He says, I used to travel days and nights for the sake of learning one particular hadith. Days and nights of journeying to learn one particular hadith. So this issue of traveling out for knowledge, then it is something which is witnessed and known from the practice of the salaf, that their desire to acquire this knowledge led them to go out and travel in search of this knowledge. That doesn't necessarily mean now that you need to travel five or six or seven hours every day as some may have done today. However, in your localities, the nearest place where the Salafi Masajid are, where the Salafi students are, then you go and you attend on a regular basis to seek this knowledge of your religion. And that is something very important for all of us to remember. So, it is a blessing therefore, that you've been given this opportunity today, that Allah has made it easy upon you, to travel and be in this gathering of knowledge, to be in this day of knowledge and these lectures, where the mentioning of the ayat of Allah occurs, the mentioning of the ahadith occurs, and perhaps you will hear something today, that one point, may be the salvation for you in the hereafter. It is mentioned about Imam Ahmad in one of the narrations, or one of the salaf. It was said to him, when are you ever going to stop seeking knowledge? When are you ever going to stop seeking knowledge of hadith? He said, basically, never, until I die. Because how do I know? When I may come across a particular narration that strikes me, and that narration that strikes me may be the one that ends up being the cause by the blessing of Allah for my salvation in the hereafter. You seek knowledge and you seek knowledge and you seek knowledge, and there may come a point you hear something, it strikes your heart and it impacts upon you. And that may be, in the end, by the virtue of Allah and the blessing of Allah, the narration that causes your salvation, the narration that impacted upon you to change, impacted upon you to lead your life in that manner of obedience to Allah. So perhaps today, perhaps today, a person may hear something, a person may hear an ayah, he may hear a hadith, he may hear something that impacts upon his heart, and it changes him for the better. And that is why you always ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to open up your heart to this knowledge, to open up your heart to this knowledge, to understanding it, to comprehending it, and to having an impact upon you from it, in order that it be something that benefits you. This particular lecture now, it is based upon a hadith, from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. The hadith of Anas ibn Malik, 
رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يأتي على الناس زمان القابض على دينه كالقابض على الجمع In this narration the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said There will come a time upon the people. There will come a time upon the people whereby a person who is holding on to his religion, clinging on to his religion, will be as though you are clinging on to hot coals. A person clinging on to his religion, it will be as though you are clinging on to hot coals. And the scholars, they explain that. Meaning, due to all of the trials and tribulations that will occur, due to all of the difficulties that will occur, as time progresses, as we come closer and closer, to the establishment of the hour. Then as that occurs, we find that the difficulties, they become more. The difficulties become more. The trials and tribulations become more. And the person who is clinging on to his religion, then it is as though he is clinging on to hot coals. Here, We have the statement of a Sheikh Abdul Rahman Asadi Rahimahullah Ta'ala. He says this particular hadith where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned to us that a person clinging on to his religion will be like the one who is clinging on to hot coals. He says this hadith has two things in it. It has some information within it, and it has some guidance for us within it. There is some information for us to benefit from, and there is some guidance within it for us to take. From the information that is found within it, فَإِنَّهُ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ أَخْبَرَ أنه في آخر الزمان يقل الخير وأسبابه. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم has informed us that towards the end of time, goodness will decrease. Towards the end of time, goodness will decrease. And the causes and that which brings about goodness will diminish. And evil will become prevalent. And the causes and the means that lead to evil will become prevalent. This is something which will occur towards the end of time, goodness and the means and causes behind goodness will diminish and deplete 
and become less and less. Whereas the evil and the ways to evil, all of that will increase and increase. That is something which will occur towards the end of time. وَأَنَّهُ عِنْدَ ذَلِكَ And when that time occurs, when the goodness starts to decrease, and the evil starts to spread and become plentiful, when that type of environment occurs, يَكُونُ الْمُتَمَسِّكُ بِالدِّينِ مِنَ النَّاسِ أَقَلُّ الْقَلِيلِ In that time, those who are clinging on to their religion still, will be the fewest of the few. In those times of evil, when goodness is disappearing, the number of people who are still clinging on to their religion, will be a handful, the few only. Few who will remain firm and clinging on to their religion. وَهَذَا الْقَلِيلِ And that few, that few, فِي حَالَةِ شِدَّةِ وَمَشَقَّةِ عَظِيمَةِ Those few who are still clinging on to their religion, in those times of difficulty, towards the end, when evil is spreading and goodness is depleting, those few who are still clinging to their religion will no doubt find themselves in a state of difficulty, in a state of hardship. They are a few that remain clinging onto the religion, whereas the masses around them fallen into the desires and fallen into the traps of the shaitan, this few clinging to the religion will find themselves in difficulty and hardship in the surroundings and what they find amongst themselves. And that is why the example is given that they are like the ones holding on to the hot coals. When you pick up a hot piece of coal, then that will certainly, certainly cause you great difficulty. Holding on to the coal in your hand, with that pain and hardship, that is the example being given, of those who remain firm and cling on to their religion, in those times of difficulty. They will experience that hardship, they will experience that difficulty which will require a great deal of patience from them. These are types of things we can relate to in our times now. The goodness, it is less. The evil, it is more widespread. Even here now where we live, everywhere you go around and the worldly pleasures and the worldly glitters, they try and drag you away into those affairs. Everywhere you go, the luxuries, you see them. Everywhere you go, the glitters of the world, you see them. The desires are everywhere. The need or the, the pull 
for a person to be dragged away is great. The pull and the factors of evil that may drag you away from your religion are great. And that is why you see so many of the people, how they have lost their religion, and they have become so weak in their religion, following after the worldly affairs, chasing after the glitters of this world. Whereas the Prophet ﷺ informed us, كُنْ فِي الدُّنْيَا كَأَنَّكَ غَرِيبًا أَوْ سَبِيلًا be in this world, the Prophet ﷺ said, be in this world as though you are a stranger or a passerby. Why are these two examples given? Be like you are a stranger or a passerby? Because both of those, a stranger and a passerby, are individuals who are not Settled. When you are a stranger somewhere, it's not your home, then you're not settled. Your heart is not comfortable there. You are not settled there. It's not your home. Your family isn't there. Your friends are not there. You are not settled as a stranger somewhere. Similarly, when you are a traveler somewhere, you're not settled in that place. You're traveling through it. Both of those individuals do not have any settlement. A stranger doesn't feel at home where he is. A traveler doesn't feel at home where he is. That's what the Prophet ﷺ is telling us. Don't feel like you're at home in this world. Don't feel like you are settled in this world. Be like you are strangers here. Be like you are passers-by. Because this world, it is only temporary. This world is not something that will remain for you. And that's why Shaykh Al-Fawzan gave the example. He said, that's because this world is not your home in the first place. This world is not your home. He mentioned the example of Adam a.s. Our roots from Adam alayhi salam. The original home of Adam alayhi salam was this world or somewhere else? Jannah. Upon the difference regarding which Jannah. But Jannah, paradise. That was where Adam alayhi salam was originally. Then after occurred what occurred... Adam came to this earth. So this earth was the first or the second place for Adam Second. The original one was paradise. As Shaykh Al-Fawzan said therefore, you are all right now in your secondary place. This isn't your home. Your home was paradise. Here this earth is secondary. You are just passing through it to get back to your original home, which is paradise. Hence, therefore, in this world you are only traveling through, or 
You are a stranger to it. It is not your home that you are going to live in and be settled in. Hence, a person now, when he looks around himself, and he sees what is occurring in the world, and these desires that are pulling you away from your religion, pulling you away into the, gl- the glitter and the bliss of this world, then know that the Prophet ﷺ said, there will come a time, there will come a time, when that evil is widespread, and that goodness is few and far in between. So when you are clinging to your religion in those times, the difficulty you experience in that environment, the difficulty, the hardship, the patience that is required from you, then it is as though the example of a person holding on to a hot coal, how much difficulty and patience he would need to show and demonstrate in doing something like that. كَحَالَةِ الْقَابِضِ عَلَى الْجَمْرِ مِنْ قُوَّةِ الْمُعَارِضِينَ These are some of the things now the shaykh says, you will find, make it difficult for you to cling on to your religion. By knowing what these things are, you can be aware of them, and you can deal with them in a better manner, to make sure you do remain clinging on to your religion, and you do not allow these factors to pull you away. The first of them, مِنْ قُوَّةِ الْمُعَارِضِينَ From the strength of those who oppose you. And that can be a whole variety of things. Even other Muslims. Do they not say, and do you not hear? They say, you don't need to grow your beard these days. Mixing with the society. Why are you sticking out now with a beard this long? Trim it down. Shorten it down. Style it up slightly. Mixing with the society. They say, look at your pants, what's wrong with you? Which tailor do you go to? He made them wrong. Go back and get him fixed. Why are they above your ankles? Mixing with the society. Don't make yourself sticking out like this. Do you not hear all of this type of speech? All of this type of speech from so many people around you. What is this beard? What is these garments above your ankles? For the sisters, what is all of this covering? Mix with the society, just wear some of the other loose garments, it's okay, you don't need to cover to this level. You hear all of these types of things, these are all people who are opposing you, opposing the clinging unto the religion with strength. And all of that impacts upon a person. If a person doesn't have the good companionship, he doesn't have the good companionship, doesn't come and sit in the gatherings of knowledge, doesn't have that connection, then slowly he may be broken down by these types of oppositions that he is hearing. Slowly he may be broken down. 
When he keeps hearing and hearing and hearing, what is this beard? You don't need to have that long. Trim it down, cut it down. Make your pants go, it's okay. That was in those days they used to put them up. One brother said to me once, years and years ago, he said, Akhi, you don't need to put your pants above your ankles now. That ruling was at the time of the Prophet wasallam. Because in those days, don't laugh yet, I've not finished it. In those days, they used to be farmers. So their pants would get dirty if they were too long. So they had to wear them a little bit short. Sahaba, the companions, they were farmers. So they used to wear their pants slightly higher above their ankles, so they wouldn't get dirty. Nowadays you don't need that. So you can wear them below your ankles. These are the types of things you hear. These are the types of inverted commas, logical arguments. The ikhwan al-Muslimin, and they are as illogical as you can imagine. But these things you hear them, these doubts you hear them, these whispers weakening you, you hear them. So for you to repel all of that, to repel all of that and say, no, it is from the guidance that we have been given, from the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to grow the beard for the men. To wear the garments above the ankles. For the women to cover up outside. That is our religion. And that is what we will cling on to. A person who does that now and says that, is one amongst a hundred telling him the opposite. One amongst a hundred, amongst a thousand. Telling you what is this? Extremism. You don't need to do that now. Wear your pants below your ankles, I'm still praying five times a day. Yes, you are, alhamdulillah if you are. But you're still opposing the sunnah in what you're doing here. And the punishment is still mentioned for you in what you're doing here. So the one who truly clings to his religion, no doubt you're gonna find difficulties. Pressure. You're going to find pressure from those who oppose you. You'll find difficulties in your environment. Maybe your own family. And how often do you hear that? Your own family saying to you, what is this beard? What is the purpose? What is the need of the beard this big? You're never gonna get a job with a beard like that. You're never gonna be able to do this or do that. To the sisters, why this level of covering? You don't need to cover to that level. Your own families, your own parents. So are these not difficulties in clinging to your religion? Certainly there are things that impact upon you. It impacts upon you. And it has a difficult beating on your heart. Your own parents, your family, saying these things to you. So when it comes to this type of situation, no doubt you are going to find the opposition to you clinging onto Salafiyyah. Clinging onto the way of the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, onto the way of the Sahaba, you will find difficulty. You will find whisperings. You will find opposition. But this is the test. الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا Allah created death and life to test you. Which of you will be the best in actions? To test you, which of you will be the best in actions? 
also Another thing which makes it difficult for you is the great number of fitan that occur. The great number of trials and tribulations that occur. And they could be various types of things. They could be trials in religion. The misguided innovators taking you away from clinging on to the true religion. You have now people who they claim are scholars. People who are claimed as scholars. And in reality they are not scholars of anything. These so-called scholars tell you, it is okay to shave your beard. It is okay to... Uh, mix men and women together. It is okay to listen to music. It is okay to sit down and watch dramas on TV. It is okay to do all of these things, the fatawa of these so-called scholars tell you. And in reality we know, all of this is in opposition to the religion. So there will be those misguided individuals, misguided ones, May Allah guide them to the truth. Misguided ones who don't realize the reality of the sunnah, don't realize the reality of what the commandments of the Qur'an and the sunnah are. And there are so many of them in our days now. So many of them putting pressure upon the people. The likes of Al-Maghrib Institute, may Allah guide them to the truth. They similarly, similarly, are from those who are not helping you to cling on to the root of your religion. They are in opposition to it. They will give you all types of fatawa that are in opposition to the Qur'an and the Sunnah. They will all teach you a, inverted commas, version of Islam, as if there are versions of it. They will teach you a version which is applicable to the century we live in, mashaAllah. Islam is complete from that time. Allah said, I have completed your religion. There is no change and there is no version to apply now in this time in the West and other places. So these individuals, they have become misguided and they have not understood the reality of what is in the Quran and the Sunnah the likes of Al-Maghrib, the likes of these other so-called scholars, and they are not scholars in reality. Ya um, Yusuf Qaradawi, these people you hear about, they are not scholars who are preaching the reality of the religion. They have become misguided. So here one of the things that will make it difficult for you, is that so-called scholars, so-called people of religion, who are actually teaching you something that is taking you away from the core principles of your religion, taking you away into innovation, and that will occur. The Prophet ﷺ told us about that. إِنَّ هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ سَتَفْتَرِقُ إِلَى ثَلَاثٍ وَسَبْعِينَ فِرْقَةٍ كُلُّهَا فِي النَّارِ إِلَّا وَاحِدَةٍ This ummah will split into 73 sects. All of them in the fire except one. قَالُوا مَنْ هِيَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ The companions they said to the Messenger ﷺ, Who is that one? 
قال ما أنا عليه اليوم أصحابي in one narration that which I am upon today and my companions that is the one true path there are no multiple pathways in this religion don't allow the ikhwanis and the likes to tell you everybody's okay you want to practice Islam in your way you can practice it in your way you want to practice it in your way you can practice it in your way who has told you that? The Messenger ﷺ didn't leave us multiple choice methods of practicing the religion. There is one aqidah, one methodology, one manhaj, one path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Ibn al-Qayyim said, ذَلِكَ لِأَنَّ الطَّرِيقَ الْمُوصِلُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَاحِدٌ The path that will lead you to Allah is only one. وَلَوْ أَتَى النَّاسِ مِنْ جَمِعِ الطُّرُقِ لَوَجَدُوهَا مَسْدُودًا if the people, they try and come from other paths, to try and get to Allah and paradise, Ibn Qayyim said, they will find all of those other pathways, blocked. No entry. Dead end. And then he said, لَوْ أَتَوْ مِنْ جَمِيعِ الْأَبْوَابِ لَوَجَدُوهَا مُغْلَقَ If they try to come from all of these other doors, not the one straight door, they try and come from other pathways, they will find them all closed. This is the way of those people who have not understood the religion. Saying, it's freedom, freedom. Practice as you wish to practice, and we'll practice as we wish to practice. We're all praying five times a day. Alhamdulillah, we're all Muslims. That is not how we were taught. That is not what the Prophet ﷺ left behind. He left behind one methodology. تَرَكْتُ فِيكُمْ شَيْئَيْنِ مَا إِن تَمَسَّكْتُمْ بِهِمَا لَن تَضِلُّوا مِن بَعْدِي I have left two things, as long as you stick to them, then you will not go astray after me. كِتَابَ اللَّهِ وَسُنَّتِي The book of Allah and my sunnah. One pathway, one methodology. You cannot come along and now say, the Rafidi Shi'i, he comes along and believes that Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, رضي الله عنه, is kafir. He believes that Umar radiallahu anhu is kafir. And you're going to say, it's okay, it's okay. We are all Muslims. MashaAllah. Is this what the Prophet Muhammad wasallam taught you? The methodology is one. And for those who cling on to it, then you are going to find a lot of opposition. You are going to find the misguided callers, the deviants taking you away, telling you everything's okay, it's okay, freedom of speech. Freedom of opinion, just pray five times a day and everything else is okay, you're okay, believe in what you want to believe. That is not what the Prophet ﷺ told us. مَنْ أَحْدَثَ فِي أَمْرِنَا هَذَا مَا لَيْسَ مِنْهُ فَهُوَ رَدٌ مَنْ عَمِلَ عَمَلًا لَيْسَ عَلَيْهِ أَمْرُنَا فَهُوَ رَدٌ إِيَّاكُمْ وَمُحْدَثَاتِ الْأُمُورِ فَإِنَّ كُلَّ مُحْدَثَةٍ بِدْعَةٍ the Prophet ﷺ warned us against innovations, warned us against the misguided ways. It is not upon you to just practice however you want. You practice in accordance to how Allah has commanded us. So for those who do that, you're going to find yourselves like those who are holding on to hot coals. Because the masses will be opposing you. The masses will say to you, it's no problem, it's no big deal, do what you want. And you will be there saying, no, 
it is a problem. We will only do what is in the Quran and the Sunnah. We will only do what is in the methodology of the Salaf. Not just do whatever we want. So you will be in that minority. From the fewest of the few. With the opposition mounting upon you. So you require a great deal of patience. Also, fitan al-shubuhat wa shukuk wa al-ilhat wa fitan al-shahawat. So then the Shaykh he goes on to say, وَلَكِنْ الْمُتَمَسِّكِ بِدِينِهِ الْقَائِمْ بِدَفْعِ هَذِهِ الْمُعَارَضَاتِ وَالْعَوَائِقِ الَّتِي لَا يُسْمَدُ لَهَا إِلَّا أَهْلُ الْبَصِيرَ وَالْيَقِينِ وَأَهْلُ الْإِيمَانِ الْمَتِينِ مِنْ أَفْضَلِ الْخَلْقِ وَأَرْفَعِهِمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ دَرَجَةِ وَأَعْظَمِهِمْ عِنْدَهُ قَدَرًا But the one who clings on to his religion, despite all of these difficulties you face and experience, the one who is upright and repels all of these oppositions against him, all of these obstacles in his way, then that is no doubt a person from the best of the people and from the highest of the levels with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second thing in this hadith, is that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is giving us some guidance. Al-Irshad. أَنْ يُوَطِّنُوا 
أنفسهم على هذه الحالة. The Prophet ﷺ is informing us through this narration that we need to accustom ourselves to habitualize upon this state. You need to get used to it. This is the reality. The reality is that the masses will be in opposition to you. The reality is the pressure from people will be on you. Now when it comes to the birthday of the Prophet ﷺ as they claim, they say every mosque in Bradford is doing it except you lot. Every single mosque in Bradford is doing it except you lot. How do you think you're right and we're all wrong? We say to them, absolutely, numbers doesn't mean a thing. In the hadith when the Prophet ﷺ saw the previous nations, he said, وَرَأَيْتُ النَّبِيِّ وَلَيْسَ مَعَهُ إِلَّا الرَّهْبِ I saw a Prophet, he didn't have except a handful of people with him. وَرَأَيْتُ النَّبِيِّ وَلَيْسَ مَعَهُ إِلَّا الرَّجُلِ وَالرَّجُلَانِ So another Prophet, he didn't have except one or two people with him only. وَرَأَيْتُ النَّبِيِّ وَلَيْسَ مَعَهُ أَحَدِ So a Prophet didn't have a single follower with him. Hence, numbers is not a proof. If it be the case that in a particular time, in a particular location, Ahlul Sunnah are the masses, then Alhamdulillah. But just because somebody has the masses, that in of itself is not an evidence for anything. Rather the proofs and the evidences that indicate the correct position and belief, that is what you base your practice upon. So then the Prophet ﷺ is telling us, get yourself accustomed to this. Practicing your religion, you're going to experience all of this. وَأَنْ يَعْرِفُوا أَنَّهُ لَا بُدَّ مِنْهَا And to become acquainted with the fact that this is something which is going to happen. There's no way out of it. You stick to your religion and you practice properly, then without a doubt you're going to experience all of these things. There's no way out of it. You're going to experience all these pressures from the people. You're going to experience all these desires of the world pulling you away. There's no way out. You are going to see all of that. وَأَنَّ مَنْ صَبَرَ عَلَى دِينِهِ وَإِيمَانِهِ But for the one who remains patient upon his religion, Upon his iman, despite all of these, these oppositions, these things pulling you away, then that person will have the highest of the levels with Allah. Look at the example of Nuh alayhi salam. When Nuh alayhi salam was commanded to build the ark, he was building the ark. It's mentioned. The mushrikun, all of those mushrikun who were opposing him, they used to walk past, seeing him building this ark, this ship. And it was dry. No floods or nothing yet. Dry everywhere. And they would see him building this huge ship. It's mentioned, they would mock him. Laugh at him and mock him. What is this? What are you going to do with this ship? Where's the water? 
They will laugh at him and mock at him for what he was doing. This is what he experienced from them. Laughter from them, mockery from them for what he was doing. Yet, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala aids his servants. Those sincere servants of Allah. Allah is in their aid. And so in the end, everybody knows what occurred in the story of Nuh alayhi salam. Musa alayhi salam, when you look at his example, very similar again, how Fir'aun said to him, if you don't stop, if you don't stop, I'm going to throw you in jail with the other prisoners. As Shaykh Al-Thaymeen said, Fir'aun chose his words to make a point. When he said to Musa alayhi salam, if you don't stop, I'm gonna throw you in with the other prisoners. He didn't just say, I'm gonna throw you in jail. He said, I'm gonna throw you in with the other prisoners to highlight to Musa alayhi salam that I've got plenty of people that I've grabbed and thrown into jail already. I've got plenty of prisoners stashed away in jail. And I throw you in as another one amongst them. So this was to again frighten Musa alayhi salam. Afterwards when the command was given for them to leave, and they were leaving, Musa alayhi salam fleeing with the Bani Israel who were with him from amongst them. And when they came, when they came to the Red Sea, behind them, Behind them, the army of Pharaoh on their tracks. In front of them, the Red Sea. The people said to Musa salam, That's it. That's it. We're caught. In front of us, the sea. No way across it. Back, no way there. The army of Pharaoh right there coming. We're caught. Musa salam said to them, Fear not. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with us. And so what occurred? Everybody knows. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again saved His servants, saved the believers. So indeed, a person needs to recognize, no matter what your situation and your difficulty, and you will experience those difficulties, you will experience those hardships, from the sources that cause you the greatest of pain, from your own families, from your own parents, your own children, your brothers, your sisters, perhaps you will experience these difficulties even from them, when you practice and cling on to your religion, let alone from everything else outside, your own home you will feel this difficulty, but be patient. Patience is that virtue, is that characteristic that is required for success. Allah mentioned in Surah Al-Asr that all of mankind is in loss. Wal-Asr, inna al-insana lafi khus. All of mankind is in loss. Illa al-ladhina amanu. Except for those who have iman, they seek knowledge and they have iman. Wa'amilu salihat. And they do the righteous and good actions. And they counsel and advise and enjoin the good and forbid the evil upon truth. And then the fourth one is what? 
بِسَابَرْ The patience, the scholars have said. That fourth one is the one that keeps the other three in place. Without the fourth one, you're not going to get the first three. Without patience, you're not going to have iman. You're going to lose your iman, you're going to lose your ability to seek knowledge. You'll lose it all without any patience. Righteous actions, you'll stop them and abandon them and quit them without patience. And joining the good and forbidding the evil, without any patience, that will be gone. All of those characteristics of salvation, the scholars they say, they revolve around patience. So be patient. Patient with your families. Patient with your parents. Patient with your children, your brothers, your sisters, your uncles, your aunties. A person starts learning this religion, starts practicing this religion, you will feel and experience the difficulties from your own families. And perhaps some, Alhamdulillah, Allah has guided them. But for others, remain patient. Give them da'wah. Call them and persevere. Just as the Prophet ﷺ did, even at the moment of death, when Abu Talib was on his deathbed, the Prophet ﷺ went to him and said, Oh my uncle, in that tone of generosity and kindness and affection, Ya Am, my uncle, my beloved uncle, say La ilaha illallah. Say the kalima that may be something that will save you, that will be something which will make a defense for you. Up to the moment of being on his deathbed, the Prophet ﷺ was patiently persevering with him. You look at the example of the Jewish boy, that Jewish boy who used to help the Prophet ﷺ, used to aid him and help him and do things for him. The Jewish boy became ill and he was on his deathbed. So the Prophet ﷺ went to visit him. And when he went to visit him and the Jewish boy is about to die on his deathbed, the Prophet ﷺ tries with him, says to him, Say La ilaha illallah. Die as a Muslim. The young Jewish boy, the first reaction he has, his instinct, he's young. His father is there. Jewish father. The Prophet ﷺ is telling him, become Muslim. The boy looks at his father. What's his father gonna do? Is his father gonna tell him off? What's he gonna do? He looks at his father. His father gives him the nod of approval. And so the boy accepts the shahada and dies upon Islam. To the end, the Prophet ﷺ persevered with him. To the end on his deathbed giving him da'wah. So with your families, have that patience. Because when we talk about these trials and difficulties, we talk about this time being like holding on to hot coals. It begins before you even step out of your home for many people in your own home. So that is where you need to begin with having patience in holding on to that coal. Patience with your own family and your relatives. Slowly giving them da'wah, using the best of the mannerisms with them, 
And insha'Allah ta'ala, Allah guides them slowly to this religion, guides them to Islam, or guides them to the proper practice and methodology of it. And we've heard this many times. In the university in Medina, there used to be brothers who were reverts. There was one individual, I remember, he reverted. Then his mother reverted, and his sister reverted, and his other sister reverted. Slowly, one by one, Allah guided them and opened up their hearts. So do not feel despondent and lose hope. Do not feel depressed. It is a time of difficulty we live in. It is a time when the doubts and the desires are spread. And the people, they spread everything that opposes the truth. Everything that opposes clinging on to the true religion. And that is widespread. So have patience in giving da'wah. Patience with yourself and your families. Patience with the society and what you see. And remain upon this religion. Remain patient upon it. So that inshaAllah ta'ala we all meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon the best of the states, upon practicing this religion as Allah commanded us to do so. So we'll conclude upon that brief reminder. Uh, until the next lecture now then. وَصَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَى نَبِيَّنَا مُحَمَّدْ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ